All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 71 for a few hours, a few minutes, and uh, I appreciate so much all that's went on today. We've had some painting done that I've been wanting to get done for a long time as a good testimony for our neighbors on Cavender Drive back here, and also uh, we appreciate the missionaries on furlough that uh, have their meetings counseled, and they're here at the church, and they volunteer to do some things that I wouldn't do, like get up on the roof and hang over and paint the uh, Cornish boards and stuff, but they're willing to work. We appreciate Mark and Kevin working today, and I want you to pray for all the missionaries that are on deputation. Uh, their meetings are being counseled right and left. They depend upon that. I know I have a grandson, uh, Tyler. He, he just His uh, car blew up yesterday, so we need to pray for him. He's getting married in June. Uh, and so he needs your prayers and he needs your, he needs your support. And he's going to be coming here soon. I might get him here Sunday night to preach. But I want you to pray for our missionaries. And also I want you to pray for a dear pastor friend of mine. By the way, pray for Brother Jeremy Hall. He's going bananas because they're in lockdown enforced by the law. And it could be all the way to September in South Africa. And if that is, we're going to have to really pray for Brother Jeremy because he is full of energy like I used to be. And he wants to be back with his church. And so we need to really lift him up in prayer. But also, uh, I want you to pray for a dear pastor friend of mine in a neighboring town in our Tri-State Preacher Fellowship, very close uh, preacher to me, a friend. Uh, he had a men's meeting to discuss when they could reopen, and the men got so ugly and so, so uh, negative that he had to resign his church. And so he's without a church, and it's so sad that through all this, the devil tries to come in and divide a church, and now here's a pastor that had to resign uh, because of the disunity and criticism. And I just thank God for our church. I've never felt so much love as I felt Sunday. What a great job, Brother Cody, uh, Brother Blaine, uh, you know, uh, you know, just the whole crew uh, just did. Um, you know, uh, Brother Joel and all the people, Brother Jason, all the ones that labored. Uh, hours to set that up. It was a beautiful platform. Somebody said it was too little I was going to fall off of it, but I thought I was, I was very comfortable, except when my jokes blew down the road, but um, probably didn't need to say it anyway, but uh, it was just a wonderful service. I was very tempted, tempted uh, to have another drive-in service because that went so well, but it's going to be 88 degrees. You'd have to run your air conditioning the whole time, and uh, I just thought, well, let's be in here with 65 degrees. Uh, preachers, preachers setting the thermostat, and that was one of the problems at that church where they ran the preacher off. The thermostat wasn't set right. God help us. But um, you know, it's just it's just going to be good to be back in this auditorium. You don't feel comfortable. You want to have a drive-in service? Drive up there and uh, turn on YouTube in the car. That'd be fine. Amen. But I'm I'm so excited about seeing you, and I couldn't tell the reaction because you didn't blow your horn last Sunday, but I could tell some people were blessed, and I sure was blessed by being able to preach to our congregation even though I couldn't see it. But this Sunday, it's going to be wonderful. We might be distant physically, but I believe we're going to be real close spiritually. So I want everybody to come. We can have overflow rooms if we need it. We can sit in the choir. Uh, we'll keep our distance. But I really pray and thank God for this opportunity to open up gradually. We've got to start somewhere. I don't know about Vacation Bible School. I don't know about camps. I don't know about awesome preaching in August. All these things we got for an exciting summer. But I know one thing, this Sunday at 11 o'clock, we're going to meet, Lord willing. All right, Psalm 71, 
I want to preach on a psalm for a dark night. A psalm for the dark night. I didn't want to say anything about the virus or what we're going through, but the Lord just laid this uh, uh, wonderful chapter on my heart about um, when you go through trials, what you should do. And look at Psalm 71. It says, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. A lot of people are confused about what to do and who to follow and who's right and who's wrong. And You can turn into CNN or you can go over to Fox News and hear the opposite directions. But I want to tell you something. We know the Lord and we can have His direction. And I prayed much about this. Deliver me and thy righteousness. I want you to underline that word, thy righteousness. And cause me to escape and climb mine ear unto me and save me. Be thou strong habitation. Thereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandments to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Now look at this psalm. This will bless your heart. Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and the cruel man, for thou art my hope. O Lord God, thou art my trust from my youth. By thee have I been holding up from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. Uh, my praise shall be continually of thee. I am as a, as a wonder unto many, but thou art my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with praise and with thy honor all the day. Cast me not off in the time of my old age. <laughs> Forsake me not when my strength faileth. For my enemies speak against me and they that lay wait for my soul taketh counsel together. Hope my pastor friends tuning in tonight. Saying, God hath forsaken him. Persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste for my help. Let them be confounded and consumed that are advers adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with the reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. Have you been doing that during this pandemic? My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day. For I know not the numbers thereof. I will go into the strength of the, of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness even of thine only. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until this generation. Uh, I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is come. Let's read the whole psalm. Thy righteousness also, O God, is very high. Who has done great things, O God, who is likened to thee? Thou hast shown me great and sore troubles shall quicken me again. Thou shalt bring me up from the depths of the earth. Thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Listen now. I will also praise thee with my pasadre. Amen. Lay down piano or guitar. Even thy truth, O my God, unto thee will I sing with the harp. O thou Holy One of Israel, my lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee, and my soul which thou hast redeemed my tongue also shall talk of, of thy righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, for they're brought into shame that seek my hurt. Let's pray. Father, use this psalm to encourage us in this night season. God, I can't imagine 
in 46 years of preaching, I'd never imagined that I'd miss 18 services uh, preaching in this pulpit to loving, receptive hearts. Lord, thank you for the internet. Thank you for the YouTube ministry. Thank you, God, for those that's been faithful to watch and encourage and, and participate in worship. Thank you for that technology. We praise you. But God is not the same, and we thank you, dear God, that we're going to be able to meet this Sunday, Lord willing. And I pray, dear God, that you would help us to enter into your courts, as Brother Jason's already admonished us to, with praise. And so, Lord, use this psalm to encourage those that's going through great tribulations and trials in their lives and their families. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, most scholars believe that Psalm 71 was written by David when his son, Adonijah, was trying to usurp the throne from David uh, because David had promised Solomon. And King David was at old age. Uh, he was going through some quite a quiet period of heartache. His son Absalom had just stole, tried to steal the hearts of the people and tried to steal the throne. And now Adonijah is trying to replace Solomon. And David was feeling the pain that every Christian parent uh, feels when children rebel against the ways of the Lord. There's no heartache greater than the heartache of your children that rebel against God. And there's no greater heartache than when husband and wife um, began to uh, not trust each other and respect each other and love each other. And the home becomes uh, one three-ring circus of a fight. And so the Psalms uh, 24, or Psalms 71, 24 verses, and there's 50 quotations from others or allusions to other psalms. So it's a compilation of, of truth about God's deliverance in the time of trouble. I want to give it to you real quick. First of all, we see the realities of trials in the believer's life. The reality of trials in the believer's life. You know, it's not the absence of suffering, but it's the response to suffering that should make Christians different than the world. Let me repeat that. It's not the absence of suffering. We will have suffering but it's the response to that suffering that should make us distinctively different. We're not exempt from the trials in life, but we can be exempt from the failures in those trials. Now, Psalm 71 rehearses some of the reasons that we suffer. Number one, we suffer because of ungodly foes. Look at verse 4. Deliver me, O God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous, the cruel man. Oh, folks, the word cruel comes from the root word leaven. That means it just gets worse and worse and spreads. And, folks, he's groaning in his soul that the enemies are mounting up against him. Number two, uh, trials uh, come because of uncertain future. Look at verse 9. How many is a little uncertain about the future? Amen. It says in verse 9, Cast me not off, the, off in the time of my old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. You know, the older we get, sometimes the more insecure we get. But I don't believe we ought to become old, grumpy, grouchy old people. I believe we ought to have sweet spirit about ourselves, amen, and sweet spirit about the past. And affliction in old age is no respect to persons. It's a common denominator most of the time of people that get older like David was getting older. But what hurt him was not only the external enemies, but it was the unfaithful friends. Look at verse 10. The Bible says, For mine enemies speak against me, and they that wait upon my soul taketh counsel together. I mean, here's some people mounting up against him in his own kingdom. Look at verse 12. Oh God, be not far from me. Oh God, make haste for my help. Verse 13. Let them be confounded and consumed 
that, that, are my, that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. Folks, it hurts when people hurt you. And hurt people usually hurt people. That means if you get bitter, you're going to start being hateful and hurtful and angry. Bitterness turned out is anger. Bitterness turned in is depression. There's a lot of depression going on in the United States of America and worldwide. People are committing suicide more than ever. There's child abuse and, and spouse abuse going on, and there's no authorities to turn them into, and folks, because they're all at home. Folks, trials because of unfaithful friends. Trials because of uncertain future. Trials because of ungodly foes. But also I want you to see trials because of an unequaled father. Look at verse 19. This is amazing to me. It says, Thy righteousness also, O God, is very high. You know what? God's right. He says, Who hath done great things, O God, who is likened to thee. There's nobody like God. Say amen right there. Right in your home. I want us to hear it from across the street. But folks, listen. It says in verse 20, Thou, which thou showed me great and sore troubles, shall quicken me again, and thou shalt bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Notice what he said. Thou which has showed me great and sore troubles. I want you to know, folks, the Heavenly Father allows and even sends trials into your life. Say amen. That's right. The earthly fathers allow children to go through situations and distress and difficulties in order to make them wiser and stronger. For instance, I never went charging down to Valley Point School or Southeast High or Tennessee Temple Academy and said, you cannot give my child a test. No, they need tests. They need all the tests they can get. I was a t very poor tester in uh, high school, and I learned to do a little better in college. But I want to tell you something, friend. Tests are good for you. And God the Father knows it's good for you. And so, folks, I want to tell you something. Trials are allowed by God. Trials are sometimes sent by God. He doesn't tempt you, but he'll try you. And then I want you to see, number two, the results of trials in a believer's life. The results of trials in a believer's life. Number one, the feeling of vulnerability. The number of things happen when we experience trials. Look at verse 7, how David, the man after God's own heart, fell. Look at verse 7. I am as a wonder unto many, but thou art my strong refuge. When we're not in control, some people that are strong leaders are very control freaks. We have everything planned. We have every, all our plans and goals and the roadmap to the future. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. God has knocked self-sufficiency right out of all of us if we were that way, and most men are. But people were watching to see how he was going to handle this adversity. Look at verse 7 again. It says this, I am as a wonder unto many. What's that mean? Folks, that means that uh, folks, uh, uh, people were looking at him and seeing how he's going to respond during this trouble. You know, people never notice Christians when everything's hunky-dory, when everything's just great and, and beautiful and everything's going as planned. But I want to tell you something, when the dark days come and when the heartaches come, folks, they get out the binoculars and they look at your life and see how you're going to respond. And so David was feeling very vulnerable. And then the feelings of insecurity. Look at verse uh, uh, 2. It says, Deliver me in the righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline thine heart unto me and save me. He wasn't saying save like being saved, but he was being saved physically and saving from his own children 
rebelling against him, saving him from the rebellious kingdom. And look at verse 9. Cast me not off in the time of my old age. Forsake me not when my strength falleth. Oh, folks, listen. I want to tell you something. God should be our security. And folks, I want to tell you something. A lot of people are so secure in their stocks. They're so secure in their job. They're so secure in what they have and what they can obtain and what they can do. But I want to tell you something, friend. God's knocked all that out of us. And I think, folks, even he's humbled the great uh, United States of America. And he's humbled the whole world in one little virus, one little germ. And folks, listen, we need to realize our security comes from the Lord. So the results of trials can bring a feeling of vulnerability. Uh, I've never felt so vulnerable in my life going to Kroger's with a mask on. Matter of fact, I'll tell you what, I got about halfway through shopping and I was out of breath because that mask was strangling me. I said, man, I got to take this thing off. And so I just, I just ran from all the other shoppers, amen. And when they saw I didn't have a mask on, they ran too, amen. Uh, all of us look prettier with a mask. But I want you to know, friend, it ain't no joke. Folks, listen, it is, it, it, we feel vulnerable to this little uh, virus. And then we have an insecurity like, I, I, I don't know where my job's going to uh, turn out or where my wallet's going to turn up or, or I don't know what the future holds and the stock market's down. And then the feeling of dependence. Look at verse 12, please. Oh God, be not far from me. Oh my God, make haste for my help. One of the greatest characteristics of strong people is self-reliance. Uh, they're independent by nature. They make their own decisions. They chart their own course. But I want to tell you something. Adversity can knock the self-reliance right out of you. It says, oh God, make, make haste to help me. It's a feeling of, of, of dependence. Then last but not least, uh, trials can bring a feeling of emergency. Emergency. Look at verse 12. Uh, we're in a state of emergency. Thank God uh, tomorrow, I believe it is, they lift the uh, stay home uh, law, I can get out of the house now. That's a joke. I've been out of the house. Amen. I've been up here in God's house, but I've been very careful. But it says in verse 12, Oh God, be not far from me. Oh my God, make haste for my help. Make haste for my help. And folks, listen, he didn't say, hey, listen, when you get around to it, he says, hey, there's an emergency in America. There's an emergency in my life. And you know what I pray? I pray that all this stuff has got some people's attention that's been so self-reliant they didn't need to come to church. They could do everything in the world on Sunday, sports activities, all kinds of junk, and put, put uh, their uh, boys' little league before God on Wednesday night. I used to pray for rain on Wednesday night so people would come to the house of God. And folks, I want to tell you something. We need to realize we should be desperate for God. We ought to be desperate for His help, and we ought to be desperate for fellowship, and we ought to long to be closer to God. But I want to close with this. What's the response of trials? in the believer's life? What's the response of trials in the believer? You know, we're lacking a lot of theology of adversity. The modern day uh, contemporary movement, they have the theology of prosperity. You know, if you'll just get saved, everything will be fine. Something good's about to happen to you today. Oh, Oral Roberts used to get on TV and say that. Well, folks, I want to tell you something. Something bad might happen to you. And I want to tell you something. Something bad's happened to all of us. We've been through this pandemic together. And folks, sooner or later, our prosperity will give away to adversity. This world's full of trouble, Job says. In this world, you shall have tribulation. And folks, the unexpected, unannounced, unchartered, unplanned ad adversity eventually comes to everyone on this earth. 
And the psalmist tells us how to respond. I want you to take these notes down. If you don't take anything else down, I wish it was bigger. But that's, that's about the best I can do. Uh, maybe you can see it on, on the screen. But number one, you need to remember the character of God. You need to remember the character of God. During trials, you need to remember the character of God. Look at verse 1. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. How many has been confused lately? Some of you were confused before this pandemic. Amen? I've been confused. But look at verse 2. Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline mine ear unto me and save me. Look at verse 3. Be thou my strong habitation. Thereunto I may continually be, uh, continually resort. Thou hast given commandments to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. You know, I feel very sorry for anyone that's not right with God during the last seven, seven weeks, eight weeks, two months, whatever, whatever it's been. And folks, I want to tell you something. I feel sorry for people that's not faithful to God. And folks, a lot of people are trying to get faithful to God, but you ought to have been faithful to God in the good times. The goodness of God draws man to repentance. Say amen right there. And you've been so blessed, and I'll get to that in just a minute. But I want you to remember the character of God. Number one, His glory. Look at verse 8. It says, Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all day. Folks, listen, I want to tell you something. He's glorious. God is glorious. And God makes no mistake. Then I want you to see, when you think about the character of God, the power and strength of God. Look at verse 18. The Bible says this. It says, Now and also when I am old and gray-headed, or no-headed, no uh, no-hair, O God, forsake me not until I have shown thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. Oh, folks, listen. He's saying, listen. Oh, God, help me to realize you're powerful and you're the true strength. And folks, listen, um, he goes on in verse 22, and he says this, that we ought to remember the character of his faithfulness. Look at verse 22. I will also praise thee with the pasadri, even thy truth, O God, and to thee will I sing with the harp, O thou holy one of Israel. He says, I will also praise thee with the pasadri. That means it's faithfully that he praises God. He praises God in the morning, in the noontime, and all the day long. He praises in the good time, praises in the bad time. A lot of people have been pitiful, panicking, and, and just uh, pessimistic. Folks, we ought to praise God. And then five times, five times in this chapter, he mentions something else about God. He's righteous. Look at verse 2. It says, deliver me into thy righteousness. Look at verse 15, please. The Bible says this. It says, my mouth shall show forth thy righteousness. Look at verse 16. It says, I will go into the strength of thy Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. Verse 19, he says this, Thy righteousness also, O Lord, is very high. Who hath done great things, O God, who is like unto thee. There's nobody like him. But look at verse 24. My tongue also shall talk of his righteousness. There's one thing that we must never lose sight of in the midst of suffering. That God is righteous. and God is good. Because of God's goodness, we can trust Him in times like these. Because of God's goodness, when you are in the middle of a trial, every one of us sometimes want to get down and out and blame God and even shake their fist at God and then start criticizing the governor and start criticizing the uh, president and start criticizing the speaker of the house 
and starts criticizing this one and criticizing that one and even criticizing doctors and scientists and preachers. I got a lot of criticism probably of opening up this coming uh, Sunday and uh, I know my preacher friends that opened up last Sunday, they just, you know, oh my, what, what in the world? But we got enough sense to be safe. But I want to tell you this, folks. He, only he knows the reason and the results of your situation. Folks, listen, he's right. Uh, he, we need to, number one, review the compassion of God. First of all, we need to respond to these trials, remembering the character of God, but we need to review the compassion of God. Look at, look at verse 4. It says, Deliver me, O God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and the cruel man. But here's where it gets good. Verse 5 says, For thou art my hope, O Lord, thou art my trust from my youth. By thee have I been holding up from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of the mother's bowels, the innermost being of her. My praise shall continually be of thee. What, what's he saying? He's saying, hey, God, you've been good to me all my life. Look at verse 17, the, verse, the first part of, Oh God, thou hast taught me from my youth. God's good. And God's good all the time. But God's been very good to you. Amen? Folks, if you didn't live in America, you'd see how bad it is. If you was out in South Africa, if you starving to death, or if you was uh, uh, over there in China and Italy and uh, good night Spain. But folks, you're in America, and you're in North Georgia, which uh, uh, is in the white zone, so to speak, of the uh, pandemic. We're not in uh, uh, the Atlanta area near the airport. But I want to tell you something, folks. We ought to review the compassion of God and see how good God's been to us. Number one, he let you live. You was born. Your mother let you live. You could have been aborted like thousands and thousands of babies are. And if you can vote for somebody that's for abortion, you need to get right with God. Didn't get an amen out of that. But anyway, somebody amen it from home. But I want to tell you something. The compassion of God. He let you live. He let you come from your mother's womb. He blessed you and he spared you. So we need to review the uh, character of God. And, but we need to, second of all, review the compassion of God. Then we need to rejoice in the celebration to God. i got to close, but I want you to give you this. In verse 6, the Bible says, uh, in the last phrase, My praise shall continually, shall be continually of thee. Now his own sons rebelled against him. His other son says, I don't like the other son, Solomon, being on the throne. I want to have the throne. There's a chaos in the family. He's in exile. He, uh, they're trying to steal the people's heart, the Bible says in 1 Samuel. And so, folks, he rejoiced in celebration to God in the midst of trials. Here's the key. Look at verse 8. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. No matter what happened, no matter what you're going through, you ought to praise God. And when you praise God, it'll, it'll, it'll distill and it'll dissipate the depression the negativity, the lack of faith, the fear that possesses you. And so folks, listen. The Bible says in verse 8, let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. All the day. Look at verse 14. The Bible says this, but I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. Hey, are you praising God more than you did six weeks ago? Seven weeks ago, man, and when they said we couldn't have church, <clears throat> I think our last service was March 15th, <clears throat> and Brother Blaine and I tried to count it up. That's like 17, 18 
services that we hadn't had in this place, the sanctuary. Thank God for the service outside last Sunday. It really blessed my heart. But I want to tell you something, friend. We need to we need to praise Him even more. We need to praise Him even more. You're alive. You're healthy. Look at verse 15. My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. You can't count how good God's been to you. What a celebrate that. Look at verse 22. It says, I will also praise thee with a pasadri, music, even thy truth, O my God, unto thee will I pray, sing with a harp, O thou Holy One of Israel. You know, something soothing about godly music. Now, if you fill your uh, house with rap and ungodly country music and ungodly rock and roll music, no wonder your home's about to fall apart. No wonder you're ill. No wonder you're fussing and fighting. No wonder you're fretful and uh, upset and tense. If you'll get melodious, godly, instrumental music that plays hymns and plays godly music, it'll soothe your spirit. Why? Because it's an avenue to worship God. Music's a gift. I wish I could play the piano. I wish I could play something. I can't play the radio. The FM transmitter, I'm surprised it didn't break when I tried to use it last Saturday, Sunday. But listen, folks, verse 22 sums it up. I will also praise thee with the facade. Or no, excuse me. Um, verse 23. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee, my soul which thou hast redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of thy righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, for they are brought unto shame that seek my hurt. Folks, we need to rejoice. and We need to be glad. We need to praise God. I want to tell you something. The book of Psalms has a lot of pain in it. But intermingled with all that pain is constant praise. There's pain. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's pain. But, but thou art with me. That's praise. Uh, folks, listen. All through this Psalm 71, he's being persecuted by his own children. He's being exiled by his own kingdom. He feels lonely. He feels old. He feels like his testimony is being uh, taken for granted. And he says, I'm going to praise him. So all through the book of Psalms, you'll see pain, but you'll see intermingled with that praise. Now, folks, when you have pain, you ought to praise God. I'm not saying, well, praise God, I don't feel it. You'll feel it. Praise God, I don't care what happens. No, you do care what happens. But you ought to praise God that he's still in control, that he's still watching over you, and he's been so good to you all your life. So we need to rejoice. We need to review his compassion. We need to, folks, we need to rehearse his character. We need to remember his character. And third of all, we need to celebrate uh, God, but we need to renew our consecration to the Lord. During this time of trial, any trial, look at verse 18, and I'll try to close. It says, Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I show thy strength, until I show thy strength until this generation, and thy power to everyone that is to come. He said, make me great. Now that's an unusual prayer. He said, hey, make me great. But he wasn't that great like, you know, ego and selfishness. He said, improve and expand your greatness through me. Our ability to impact others is what he's saying, for Christ's sake, for his glory. And so folks, listen, God wants to magnify your influence. He wants to magnify your influence. Uh, somebody called me the other day, I believe it was Brother Roger Kennard, he was out motorcycle riding and he told everybody that he was in this motorcycle group 
riding, you know, just recreation uh, riding. He said, tomorrow I get to go back to my church. And they almost all fell off the bikes and said, what? And they just stared at him, looked at him like, what? What are you going to celebrate? Going back to my church. That was last Saturday. He was get to go back to Catoosa Baptist Tabernacle and hear his preacher preach. And he was all excited about it, thrilled about it. And those guys thought he would have fell off his bike and hit his head. And folks, listen, the world can't understand this but you ought to have a consecration about you. You ought to have a dedication about you, even in the trials, so you can magnify your influence. Now listen, trials will either extinguish us or expand us. Folks, trials will either destroy your testimony or will amplify the testimony that God is great, that God is able. We choose to submit to His plans. Our testimony for Him will eventually be greater because He is the one who will bring us through. Amen. I believe He's going to bring us through this. And folks, I want to tell you something. God desires to give you great faith for His name's sake, for His glory. Life is not easy, but we can be victorious through it all in the dark nights of life. What a psalm. What a psalm. I want you to meditate and read it again before you go to bed tonight. I want you to realize there's a lot of heartache and a lot of pain in this psalm. But in the midst of all the pain was praise and dedication and confidence in the character and compassion of God. Father, thank you for the message. Use it for your glory. Thank you, dear Lord, for this wonderful psalm. It sure has helped me today as I meditated on it, studied for this hour. God, thank you that the psalms mention a lot of pain, but with all the pain, there's praise. And God, you're able. And you're God. And this pandemic didn't catch you off guard. Lord, you allowed it in our lives. And Lord, I don't know all the answers, but I know this, that God, you want us to magnify and glorify and praise your holy name during this trial. And many have. And God, many will continue. And I believe that many have grown by leaps and bounds because all their busyness has been thrown out the back door. And the TV's no longer important. Sports is no longer important. Uh, things in the world's no longer important because all those are gone. And God, we found out who's important. And it's you. And we thank God for your righteousness and your goodness and your compassion in our lives over the years. And over these past months, you've been so sweet, so kind, so loving, so comforting, so encouraging. And Lord, thank you. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for the precious times we've had together, even during this time. And Lord, I thank you for your presence, most of all. With every head bowed, every eye closed, while the musician's playing, just a brief word of invitation. Are you going through a trial? Well, wake up, America. You're in one. I'll tell you what we ought to do. We ought to remember the character of God. And praise God, we ought to review the compassion of God. And we ought to celebrate God. We ought to praise His holy name, consecrate everything to Him, and claim with confidence that He's a God of the future, and that He is the God that's going to bring us out of this, and that He is enough. Oh, folks, I'm not asking you to become great. I'm asking you to yield to the great and mighty God that's great enough and good enough to 
to live in and through your life when the whole world's falling apart. Lord, use this message in my prayer. And I pray right now in your heart, you'll rededicate your life. And that when you come back to church, it'll be a celebration. It'll be a time of thanksgiving that you can come back and that you're able to come back, but that God has brought you through this valley.